We're impacting the state's economy. We're building the workforce. Some of us are doing research that really has a global impact as well. And so that's really important to recognize that while it's relevant to the state of Maine, it has a greater and broader impact. That's Melissa McGinnis talking about the research being done at UMaine by undergraduate students. She's an assistant professor of microbiology and associate director of Cougar, the Center for Undergraduate Research. I'm Ron Lisnett, and this is the Main Question Podcast. Melissa has her own very robust research program on viruses, which is certainly a hot topic these days. But in her role at Cougar, she is helping develop the next generation of researchers and explorers in all fields. As the state's land, sea, and space grant, as well as its research university, UMaine plays a key role in the state of Maine in discovering new ideas and knowledge, better ways to do things, new tools and technologies, many of which are turned into products or businesses. As part of that process, many of the undergrads who do this research become part of the workforce of young, talented people that are needed to build and grow a modern economy. Learning how to conduct research and solve problems is a major part of the college experience for hundreds, if not thousands, of UMaine students. For several years now, in the spring, that research has been showcased at the annual Student Symposium, this year being held virtually on April 16th. It's perhaps the largest gathering of research and creative activity the state of Maine sees on a yearly basis. In this episode of The Maine Question, Melissa shares the big picture of UMaine's research enterprise with us and what it means for Maine's economy and its future. We also talked with three students who are presenting at this year's event about their research, why it's become a passion for them, and where they might take it in the future. Thank you all for joining us. I know this is a busy time of year and we appreciate you sharing your your research and, and what you're working on with us. Maybe we could start here. If you could introduce yourself and give us the elevator pitch for your research project. You have 27 seconds to convince someone that what you're working on is is worthwhile. So what are you studying and what was the spark for that interest? Remy, maybe let's start with you and then we can also hear your voices so we know who's who. So go ahead. My name is Remy Gohegan. I am an undergraduate researcher in the McGinnis Lab. And the goal of the McGinnis Lab is to characterize the host pathogen relationship of JC polyomavirus. So JC polyomavirus is the causative agent of a disease called progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy. Say that five times fast, it's a tricky name. But for short, we call it PML. And so what happens is that um, JC polyomavirus is actually found in 50 to 80% of the world population. And most people don't know that they have it because in healthy individuals, it causes a persistent Mm -hmm. asymptomatic infection. However, in immunocompromised individuals, the virus reactivates, infects glial cells in the brain and causes um, degradation of white brain matter. And this leads to progressive loss of cognitive function and death. So we're looking for um, characterization of this relationship, but also novel treatments, because currently there is no cure for this disease. And I got really excited about this when I took phage genome dirt to DNA discovery with Dr. McGinnis my freshman year. And I really kind of fell in love with the process of um, novel research. So everything about it, it's really hard work, but it's immensely um, gratifying when everything kind of comes together at the end. Jaslyn, give us your elevator pitch. What are you working on and what was the spark for that interest in the subject? 
Sure. So my name is Jaslyn, and I'm a fourth-year undergraduate student in the Maine Business School. Um, so taking a step away from the sciences, like um, the other uh, great researchers here today, uh, I actually studied uh, social media verification, um, which is kind of a niche topic. And what I looked at was um, in social media advertising with what are called influencers. Um, who are basically users that use the platform um, for their career and they uh, engage in paid partnerships with brands. Um, and basically what uh, social media platforms can verify an account if they're well known, um, which makes sense because a well-known account is more likely to have invitation accounts or fan accounts. So verification is ostensibly to authenticate that account and make sure that um, users aren't confused um, and they know that that is the authentic presence of that person. So, for example, Tom Brady, um, his account is verified so that users aren't confused. Um, so basically what we, what we looked at is, um, is that verified symbol actually going to affect trust in the eyes of the consumer when you're uh, using a verified influencer versus an unverified influencer? Um, are people viewing that little checkmark symbol, um, which I didn't mention, it's it's noted by a checkmark symbol, um, as more of a mark of credibility or more of a mark of celebrity, um, because really not anyone can be verified, only uh, celebrities are typically verified. So um, that's my research in a nutshell, and I was interested in it because I have been hired uh, as a social media specialist post-graduation. And I've always been uh, really interested in social media because it's just so broad and there's so much to unpack there, especially in the business world today. But yeah, th that's, that's how I came to it. Basil, how about you? Talk about your research and, and what led to your interest in it. My name is Basil White. I'm a third year biomedical engineering major. Um, I'm a member of the CompuMain Laboratory, which is a um, laboratory in the biomedical engineering department. Um, which focus, focuses exclusively on studying uh, breast cancer. Um, so my project in the laboratory, my research, is to automate the process called masking. So masking is when we delineate the pectoral muscle from grayscale mammograms, which we then overlay onto the respective grayscale mammogram um, to run different analyses in the lab. For example, we have an um, analysis called the continuous density score, which these masks are fed um, in a percentage breast density, um, or a percentage breast density is output. Um, so the current methodology for making these masks is manual. So the user will have to go in there and, and trace around the pectoral muscle, which is obviously different for each view or each mammogram. So my project focuses on automating that, which I've been doing for about a year. Um, and I've been comparing my output masks to those that have already been manually delineated. Um, so the way I do that is through edge detection um, through a program called XMRF um, in the program, programming language of TCL. So that's kind of my, my gist. What led to your interest in that topic? My mother um, is a breast cancer survivor. So when I came to the University of Maine, I immediately wanted to get um, involved in breast cancer research. Thus, I joined the CompuMaine Laboratory. Well, Melissa, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit. All these projects come under the heading of uh, being part of Cougar. So what is Cougar? Why was it created and, and what are its goals? I am the Associate Director of the Center for Undergraduate Research and the Center for Undergraduate Research really is a centralization so that we can support undergraduate research throughout the university. And we do that in a number of ways. 
We provide fellowships for students to support their research. We also support the planning and execution of the UMaine Student Symposium, which is held annually, where our students are able to showcase their research. And that includes both graduate students and undergraduates. And it's really a wonderful time for everyone to come together and see the amazing research and creative activities that our students are engaging in. In addition to that, we support students in other ways by travel grants, we also have a faculty fellows program in which we have a, a training program for faculty so that they can also get engaged in mentoring undergraduate students. And through all of these programs, we really are centralizing undergraduate research and helping to create an environment in which undergraduates are really a part and a, a fabric of the university system. So I'm interested in looking at research from both your perspectives. Melissa, obviously you're someone who does this uh, professionally for a living and you students are learning how to do this and, and sort of getting into that world. So for, for you three students, can you talk about, you obviously have to know your subject, right? And be interested in your subject, but you also have to learn how to do research in the first place. You know, what kinds of things were daunting to you as you tried to figure out, how do I go about researching this topic? There's a lot of different procedures that you have to learn. So we work with three different cell lines in the McGinnis lab to approximate um, infection outcomes in the host. So you have to learn how to culture three different cell lines and work uh, using aseptic technique. And that all seems very daunting um, initially, but there are really wonderful members of the McGinnis lab who um, kind of guide all of our undergraduate students, myself included, through all of these processes and provide hands-on opportunities to conduct these skills. So that really helped. Basil, you had some thoughts? The program that I use called XMERF, it's a pretty, it's a program that not a lot of people use. My PI helped develop it along with his mentor. Um, so personally, I was learning how to code in this language and use this program once we got sent home last spring. So I was um, I was coding on my Raspberry Pi, Zooming with my PI, learning how to use this language um, and also how to attack this biological problem that we were trying to solve. So that was, I mean, pretty overwhelming at the time, but it's definitely, we've had some positive results to say the least. Jaslyn, how did you figure out how to start even digging into this topic? Uh, you know, I think it just actually research was exactly where to start, just start reading. Um, and for me, I don't think that there was anything specific about my research that was really daunting. I think it was more just the process as a whole. Um, I think being in the business school, there's uh, not as much stress on undergraduate research as there is, say, in the sciences, you know, where a lot of science students are stressed, uh, the scientific method, um, kind of their entire undergraduate uh, experience. There's a lot less research done in the business school. Uh, you really don't do research unless you're a grad student. Um, so just learning uh, how to begin research, where to look, and how to write in an academic language, um, but that's also understandable for laymen. I think it was just the process as a whole um, getting started and also um, learning to work with members of academia and professors that you wouldn't normally speak to um, and that are your superiors and that know a lot more than you, and as well as taking um, constructive criticism. Melissa, how do you talk to students about how to become a researcher? You know, there's certain skills that you have to learn based on the discipline, of course, but there are certain basics, I'm sure, that are common to all research projects. So 
Is that something you have to uh, get going in students as they get underway with their research? Yeah, that's a great question. So because I teach the first year phage genome discovery course, I often have students come to me and say, how do I get involved in research? Everyone hears that they should be involved in research, but how do you go about it? And I tell them to really start to think about what's interesting to them. Start to look at the faculty pages for particular programs in which they're involved. And then as they read through the faculty research, see what really appeals to them. Dig in a little bit deeper, look through the website, look at some of their papers, and what research gets them excited? Because you have to be excited. You have to have that spark, like you mentioned, because it has to get you out of bed in the morning and it has to bring you into the lab when you're busy with your classes and managing so many things as an undergraduate. And then if you find something that really excites you, then you should reach out to the faculty advisor and ask if you could set up a meeting to discuss their research and see if there are any potential opportunities for you to work in their laboratory. And then talk about what it's like to work in that faculty mentor's laboratory, because I think it's really important that you find a faculty mentor that you feel really comfortable with and you are walking into an environment where you feel like you can really thrive as a student researcher. And so I think that that's really important to determine if you're a good fit for that particular research program. And then once the students get into the laboratory, then they start to get trained either by the faculty mentor or by a graduate student mentor or other undergraduates in the laboratory. And then we all work together within teams. And so teamwork is a really important skill to have in research because it doesn't get done independently. We're all working together and that's how the best research is really accomplished. And then in addition to that, of course, we know that communication skills are very important, which we're all practicing right here today critical thinking skills, and then the professional and personal development that comes with working in a professional setting. Because I think that we're preparing these students for future careers and for enrollment in graduate school and medical school. And so they can start to build these skills in laboratory, in the field, and working with their research teams. And then they are equipped to move into the workforce or move on to professional schools. So research is obviously about solving problems or discovering something that's never been known before. Can you talk about basic versus applied research, the differences and how one leads to the other? And some, a lot of these students in Cougar and undergraduate research are, are doing a, some of both, right? It's difficult to put those into two separate buckets because sometimes you're doing very basic research, but then it can become applied research. So sometimes, you know, doing basic research, we're trying to understand really a mechanism by how something happens, but then it can become applied if you can adapt it to something that can be utilized in healthcare or in the business field, like Jocelyn talked about. Um, Basil is developing a technology that can be used in the medical field to do breast cancer screening. So that's certainly applied. Um, but in the beginning, a lot of research really is very basic because we're trying to understand a mechanism or develop a new tool. Can you all talk about the symposium? I assume you're all involved in that and presenting. What is that experience going to be like, do you think? Are you excited to share what you've, uh, you've learned and, and bring it to that forum? Remy, let's go ahead and start with you. It's a great time of the year because, you know, you've been working for almost a full year on compiling all of this research. There's obstacles, there's challenges along the way. And at the end, you really get to flex a little bit and show what you've found. So it's, it's kind of a celebration and it's really fun. And it's a time where you can practice communicating your findings, which is something that I'm 
very passionate about. You get to access a larger community of peers uh, across disciplines. Um, so yeah, it's fun. Jaslyn, how about you? Yeah, I would have to agree with what Remy said. I think it's exciting. It's a little nerve wracking. It's obviously something that you're really interested in and usually very passionate about as a researcher. Um, so to be able to talk about that and have interest interest from others in your topic um, is really exciting. And unfortunately, the, the symposium is on Zoom, um, but I don't think that will take anything away um, from the experience. There will still be great conversations. And so, yeah, I think it's an exciting time. Basil, are you excited to share your work? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's kind of crazy to to think about the fact that I've never been able to present in person, just given the nature of the, the pandemic in my age and stuff like that. But being able to, I presented at a couple of conferences, including the symposium last year. Um, and it's always nice to be able to kind of express the ideas that you spent so much time working on, um, but at the same time, get feedback on that um, or, you know, ask questions of, oh, what if you went this way? What if you went that way? Or what if you did this? What if you did that? So it's, I'm definitely very excited. When this was held at the Cross Center, I mean, there were several hundred students, if not more, presenting there. So Melissa, maybe talk about the symposium and what are the advantages of sort of gathering all of this work and all of this research in one place? I know you have a special speaker coming this year to the symposium, even though it's virtual. Can you just talk about the gathering of all this work being done. The symposium is such an exciting time and I certainly miss the times when we could gather in person because it was so fun to walk around and interact with all of the students and see their posters and go to the oral presentations. But I'm really happy that we're still able to put on the symposium in this virtual format so that students still have this opportunity to present their research. And it really is a celebration, whether it's in person or whether it's virtual, because the students have some time to really reflect on the work that they've done. And that's so important because we're so busy working on our projects and they're busy in their academic coursework, but then they have this day to really sit and reflect on everything that they've accomplished. And our students are doing amazing work. We're not giving our students projects um, that don't matter. They're actually incorporated into our active research programs and they're making major contributions. They're co-authoring papers, they're presenting this research at symposiums like this local symposium, as well as sometimes regional and national symposiums. And so for them to be able to come to the UMaine Student Symposium and present on this local stage, it really helps to set them up for future opportunities to present their work really at a regional or national stage. And so I just, I, it's one of my favorite days of the year. Um, to be able to see all of the students have this time to reflect and to celebrate all of their accomplishments. And this year, we have planned a student symposium that focuses on the role of our research university in response to crises, with a focus on the COVID-19 pandemic, of course. And so we have a panel of speakers from main businesses that have been critical in the COVID-19 response including Abbott Laboratories, the Jackson Laboratory, and Puritan Medical Products. And then our keynote speaker is Dr. Nerev Shah, who is the director of the Maine Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And we're so honored that Dr. Shah will be able to join us and talk about the incredible role that he has played in the COVID-19 pandemic for the state of Maine. And in addition to those special guests, we also have presentations from our students. And so we have a 
a flash poster session in which students that were nominated will be presenting elevator pitches of their research. And then we have a technical session where students will be able to gather and talk about their research with peers and other participants in the symposium. And then we also have a late breaking abstract session for people that weren't able to submit their abstracts in time for the original deadline. And sometimes we get some new data and it's exciting and we wanna be able to present it. So this is an opportunity for students to do that and present their research live in a Zoom meeting. And then at the end of the day, we have an awards ceremony. And that's always a lot of fun to come together and honor the students. They're all winners, of course, but we wanna honor the students that really have gone above and beyond. So um, because the symposium is virtual and it's only one day, we actually are posting all of the presentations online on our UMaine Student Symposium website. So they will be available for two weeks leading up to the virtual event, which is on April 16th. So it gives all of the participants an opportunity to go online and view the student presentations that have been uploaded so they can go to the biomedical sciences or businesses or engineering category and just click on it and look at the presentations that the students have provided. And then when we come together on April 16th, we'll be able to celebrate all of that. For you three students, can you talk about what has this experience done for you in terms of mapping out future career paths or you know ideas to follow as you go into the workforce and start your careers? Remy, maybe start, start with you. What, what is this going to do for your future path? I have gained a lot of confidence in the lab with um, handling different cell lines, completing different assays, different procedures. It really feels like I have a community in the lab and have networked with a lot of really wonderful people. So if anything, this has really encouraged, been an experience that has encouraged me to pursue research moving forward and continue my work in the McGinnis Lab. Jaslyn, how about you? It sounds like uh, you're gonna be following this path once you graduate, right? Yeah, so I'm gonna be entering the workforce, um, working in Maine, and I think that really the process of the research taught me a lot, as well as how to analyze quantitative data, which is really beneficial uh, in the marketing field um, because market research is, is so beneficial to a lot of brands and a lot of companies. Um, and I'll actually be going to work for uh, Martin's Surplus and Salvage, which is a pretty large main retailer. So I'm excited to be able to bring um, you know, my new skill set and what I've learned from the research I've done um, to be able to analyze what consumers, how they view Martin's and how to better increase sales and ROI. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to bring it into the field and um, maybe in a few years be able to apply everything that I've learned and go to uh, pursue a master's degree. Basil, how about you? Is this uh, forged a career path for you? Yeah, definitely. I think I got super lucky in um, choosing my mentor. Um, my mentor is Dr. Andre Khalil and um, being able to work with him throughout my full four years of undergrad has just given me the skills of what it's like to have graduate students mentor you and then as an undergrad mentor those who are younger than you and just getting into the lab and stuff like that as well as exposing me to different image analysis and processing techniques has definitely led me to want to pursue a master's and a PhD in computational biomedical engineering or you know something along those lines. So Melissa aside from the research experience and what it does for the students how does Maine benefit? I often 
look at the symposium and I think there's more research in this one room than maybe in the rest of the state combined. So how does Maine benefit? Is it part of the state's economic development plan to see these, this research and these researchers being created and developed? Absolutely. So this definitely helps to support research on a local level, but the research that we're doing also has relevance that has a global impact as well. So we're impacting the state's economy. We're building the workforce. Oftentimes people are from Maine. They might end up staying in Maine or the New England area. So it certainly contributes to the development of the workforce and the economy. But the research that we're doing, you know, some of us are doing research that really has a global impact as well. And so that's really important to recognize that while it's relevant to the state of Maine, it has a greater and broader impact. So maybe just finally, as we as we look to wrap up here, can you talk about, we often ask this of our guests, you know, if you look out five to 10 years, where will you be? What will you be doing? Will you be working off of what you're doing now? Uh, you know, what, what, do you, what do you hope to see as you, you look out over that uh, time span? Maybe, maybe uh, let's start with the students and then Melissa, you can give us the, the big finish here. So Remy, what do you think? What, where are you gonna take all of this in five or 10 years? I would love to uh, pursue a PhD program. So that's my next goal. Um, I'd love to continue here at University of Maine. I've worked with really incredible graduate students um, who are in their PhD process. And I think the labs here are wonderful and the research that's conducted here is incredible. So I'd love to continue on to a PhD program here at University of Maine. Jaslyn, what's next? Uh, world domination of the marketing world? What? I hope so. You know, that's hard. Uh, you know, marketing is always changing, especially what I looked at. Social media is constantly changing. And in 10 years, um, who knows where we'll be. But I hope to continuously learn and apply that um, to the field because I plan to, uh, you know, pursue a career. But as I mentioned, I, I am interested in hopefully pursuing a master's degree in the future. Um, so I hope uh, it leads me back, back to school. But um, we'll see. Basil, how about you? Definitely my, my goal is to pursue both a master's and a PhD, um, and definitely in five to 10 years, um, still doing mammographic research and breast cancer research, hopefully still with the CompuMain lab and with Professor Khalil. Um, we'll have to see where, where I go. Melissa, the whole research enterprise that the University of Maine is part of is, is a big part of developing the future, as we talked about. Do you see that growing, changing, evolving as, uh, as we look out into the future here? Yes, I absolutely see that growing and changing. As we see students coming into the University of Maine, they want to get involved in research, and I think that we're going to continue to see an increase in the number of students that want to be involved in research. And the entire goal of the Center for Undergraduate Research is really to increase, improve, and enhance undergraduate students' participation and experiences in research and scholarship and creative activities. And I hope that we can continue to grow that because we're trying to generate a culture that supports undergraduate research and makes this a transformative experience for them, where they're not coming to the university to acquire knowledge, but they're coming to help generate new knowledge and contribute to our research endeavors. Well, it's, it's great work that you've shared with us and we appreciate your time so much and uh, best of luck with the symposium and everything else in the future. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Ron. All of the student presentations for this year's symposium are now available online. Just head to cougar.umaine.edu. That's C-U-G-R.umaine.edu.
Thanks for joining us on The Main Question, as always. You can find our podcasts on Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Subscribe if you like what you hear. And if you have any questions or comments, send them to mainquestion at maine.edu. This is Ron Lisnett. We'll catch you next time on The Main Question.